0: Good morning. Good afternoon.
1: Well, good evening then.
0: And good night.
1: And I'm saying it, fourth meal. I've heard a fourth lot of news. Meal. Taco Taco Bell has been in the news a lot these days, and I don't love all the stories that are out there. I just want to say what's up to my people and hold down Taco Bell. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, um, what do I?
1: So we have... Um, this is a bonus episode, and you know what uh-huh. that means? That, yeah. that means that they're making us just do more work. So right. it's really just a regular interesting entertaining informative episode but right. I think it just means we're getting gotten some way
0: we're not this episode is not in the contract is what you're saying
1: yeah, yeah yeah it's no holds barred anything could happen in this episode we could okay. go nuts okay okay uh, so here's here's my idea we, we we talked about the idea of doing an episode about our personal like real life stories with Jay-Z uh-huh so I want to go back and forth memories Okay. And I know I know with you you have more, so it'll be hard to remember. I don't expect you to remember the entire order. I probably remember the order of like every Jay-Z story just about. But okay. do you remember? Do you remember the first time you met Jay-Z?
0: Yes. First time I met Jay-Z was in London. I was on tour with Little Kim. And, Always uh, on tour with
1: Lil Kim, of course.
0: Yo, I don't know if you guys know this. I was Little Kim's DJ. Oh, you and, were a DJ? You were her tour DJ, got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've listened to Juanette before, ever once, even maybe a little. Um we were in London, we were doing the carnival, which is this was similar to the West Indian Day Parade in New York City or Carabana in Toronto. It's the West Indian carnival of London. We were on the Tim Westwood stage, Tim Westwood, the big DJ. And he has, like, the hip-hop portion of the West Indian Festival. And we're backstage, and we're setting up for the show. And Jay-Z, Dame Dash, and a whole bunch of Rockefeller people come in. And they say their DJ, Clark Kent, couldn't cross the border for whatever reason. I don't know if he didn't have his passport, if he got held up. So they didn't have a DJ. Uh so they asked if I would DJ for Jay-Z. He was only doing two songs and if I would DJ for Jay-Z and now, I was. We're t- you yeah. were you were very happy, very excited.
1: Now how poppin was Jay-Z at this moment? Where was he? What single? What album? Take us through it. It
0: is the two songs I played were Dead President and Ain't No N-word. I don't know why I said N-word because I usually say the word but because you're with me it's making me uncomfortable.
1: Well, you know, the governor of New York just said the N word casually in a conversation on a radio interview. So I think
0: you're fine.
2: So, so yeah, how did so, the performance go? So was
1: he just, was. It was just
0: simple. Oh no! It was it was horrible. I fucked it up. So <laughs> <laughs> remember, this is the vinyl days. You're DJing with of vinyl. Course. Yes, we're yes. outside in the middle of summer in the hot, scorching sun of London. Which is like, for some reason, it was a hot day that day in London. Usually it's cloudy. This is the first day I ever heard the term rose. I remember because Jay Z had. Jay Z and Dame Dash were like, no, 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 we need rose. And I was like, what's rose? I mean, I'm still not 100% clear on what rose is, but that was the day. And uh, so I go on stage. Now remember, this is a West Indian carnival. So a lot of music that's being played is reggae music. A lot of reggae music is on 45s. So the reason why they're called 45 is because they play on 45 on the turntable, which is a faster speed. Mm-hmm. So I go up there and I set up Ain't No. And I start, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, Jay-Z, and I play Ain't No, but it's on 45. So it's no, like, Ain't no, no, like, no, it's like... No 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 no! You did it! Yes, I did. I've never heard this. I've never heard this. Ain't nothing like a. Hold on, hold on,
1: real quick. Everyone listening has to understand that what makes this story so funny as a DJ is that the forty-five thing, like. It, it, it's so perfect that it would happen at something where the predominant music being played is dancehall because everyone's yeah. using turntables set Every, on 45. Yeah. Everybody. And it's it sounds so horrible when you accidentally play at the wrong speed because what do you do? If you hit the 33 button and it just slows down, that sounds like trash
0: too. So did you start over again? So first of all the problem the problem is is like I'm still a young DJ right I'm still not used to making mistakes on stage and knowing how to handle it so I play mm-hmm. the record at 45 and then it jolts me like it scares me because I'm like oh no what's wrong so there's like nowadays I would react instantly but back then I was like oh what's what's happening you know so I froze so it's like 5 seconds of freezing so then I figure oh. out what it was and I just hit the 33 button and it goes to regular speed. And Jay-Z no, no, no. comes out with a, ve- I don't remember exactly, but I know it was a very, very slick remark of how I fucked up the show.
1: <laughs> no, did you? but so did you then start over again or no? He just picked up from the no, nasty he just beginning you gave him.
0: Yeah, he just came out. He just walked out on stage. So that's what it was. Oh. So I just slowed it down. Were you playing the instrumental or the vocal? Instrumental, yeah. Luckily it was just the instrumental, so it just like slowed down back to regular speed and he jumped right in. But uh it was not fun. It was a very I was like, I fucked up, my life is over, I'm dead, Kim's gonna fire. But but by
1: the way, but at this point, at this point, Jay's not a huge star. So like it's not like you were worried that, like, oh my gosh, I upset the great Jay Z. It wasn't about that, it was just embarrassing. I upset Biggie's friend.
0: Right. That's what I was worried about. No, Jay-Z wasn't the superstar he is today, but he was one of Biggie's closest friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, also, I embarrassed Clark Kent. Like, it's all these factors. Like, my heroes. You know what I'm saying? Like, Clark Kent is going to
1: Did you talk to Jay-Z after the show at all? Like, did you have a conversation with him or no?
0: Yeah, it was fine. We went to the after party. It was fine. Um, all right, so so you want my first Jay Z story? Yeah, what's your first? Is it like it's it's a Jay Z encounter, right? Yes,
1: my first is okay. very much just an encounter.
0: Although, okay. you know, based on what it sounds like with you, I don't know that
1: either of us interacted with him more or less than the other. Um, okay, I was at Impact oh. in nineteen ninety. I lived in Centerville Hall. My guess is it was nineteen ninety eight. And what is and, impact? What is oh, I'm impact? glad you asked. I'm glad you asked, Sife, because let me tell you, it's definitely an event that Jay-Z went to many, many times. So back in the day when radio really mattered, there were these magazines that would report playlists. In retrospect, when you talk about it, it all sounds so not on the up and up. It all sounds so <laughs> dirty to me. Yeah, because there's just so much room for fuckery that can exist when you have these magazines that's their job is to report what songs are being played on the radio. So there were there were a few of them. The biggest ones were Hits magazine, Mm -hmm. Urban Network and Impact. Would you agree those are the big three? Those sound right. And so I got to University of Maryland in 1997 and started doing college radio. And when I was doing college radio, I started – I don't know how I found out about this. Oh, yeah. my bo- Shout out to the Soul Controllers, the other show that was on. I guess they told me that you have to like – you have to try to build a relationship with these places that will accept your playlist because if you are a reporter who's reporting your playlist, you can now receive records in the mail. The labels yes. find out. They get the addresses of all the DJs who report to the magazines. They take those addresses and they send you promos. And this was my entire life was getting on these lists. Like, literally, I, I don't know, Saif, if I'll ever in, in, enjoy the same kind of pleasure that I got yeah. when I was 18, 19 years old and started getting free records to my house. I yeah, seriously. records
0: in the mail. Yeah, that was yo, the greatest shit. It was Christmas every other day. Every other. Oh, yo, Sorry. It's, Christmas is a Christian holiday that they celebrate the birth of their Lord. When When is it? It's at the end of the year, Jan- December. That's oh, it so it's the oh, anyway, it's the oh, the one year, on. the
1: Hanukkah one. Okay, got it. The one year Hanukkah. So, I, I go to University of Maryland. I would drive home to my parents' house like once a week, usually Fridays, and show up at the door. And as the years went on, these packages just started. At first, it was a little one package here, one package there. By the time I was a senior in college, my parents hated me. I would get there, and there'd yeah. be thirty packages lined up, and <laughs> it was it was amazing. I still remember what each label's package looked like, not yep. just what. Like I remember which box they used. Like Sony yep. Columbia, Sony always used the really thin paper with the sticky on the inside. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah. So kind of padded. It was like a padded paper one. It was it was cheap. That Sony was cheap. All right. Anyways, actually I don't know. Maybe they were more expensive. Who knows? So anyways, I I, got, I went to Impact and I found out that Impact had a conference. And get this, life. I found a way. And here's where here's the bullshit of the music industry. I can't believe this was allowed to happen, but it was. A record label paid for me to go to Impact. I was, oh yeah, I was flown down. I'm I'm eight. I'm 19 years old. I think I think 19 <laughs> years old. I've never done anything cool, and I got a flight. I got a room at the Fountain Blue for three nights. Oh, so it's in Miami. In oh Miami. yes, sir. Oh yes, sir. And I remember the first day I was in Miami. I went what's that famous stupid place where they have all the um drinks um the the, the frozen drinks uh, it's, Wet,
0: it's Willies, just, Wet Willie's Wet maybe, Willie's Wet Willie's Maybe
1: maybe it was Wet Willie's. Yes. So I I don't know why I was there. I didn't even drink, but I saw Goldberg and I wasn't even into wrestling at that time, but I was like, "Yo, that's the Jewish wrestler, Goldberg." Anyways, <laughs> the the only Jay-Z run I had was I was walking out of the Fountain Blue at one point and Jay-Z was walking into the Fountain Blue and I stopped him and I was like, "Yo, my name's Peter Rosenberg. I'm Tigger's intern. Okay? <laughs> because at that time, I was Tigger's intern. So I guess it was actually fall of my sophomore year, early uh, late 98. So I was Tigger. <laughs> Tigger from BET, who at that time um, did afternoons on WPGC in DC. And I was his intern. And I just made it my business to tell everybody I was Tigger's intern that whole weekend. Like, that was what I was running with. So... He was nice, dapped him up. I think I might have complimented whatever, you know, knowing me, complimented a million and one questions or something, and kept it moving. And the only thing I remember is that when I got back to DC, Tigger was like, yo, I heard you ran into Jay Z. I
0: was like, I did. What?
1: Yeah. How did he, he was, hear? Because I guess Jay Z said, yo, I met your intern. Uh, like, who was, in who was he with? Who was he with? Honestly, he was, I think, I believe he was 100% solo when I saw him. I don't believe it. I swear. Not I think even he was one person. I mean, may, it was definitely not a big entourage situation. Definitely not. Which is surprising for moving around Miami during Impact in 1998. But it was it wasn't like I didn't see him at a party, you know. It was the middle of the day. Yeah. So he was just moving around nah, but that- that was the first time I ever had a personal interaction with him. And I don't think the next time I saw him in any way was until like a year later when he performed at Birthday Bash, the WPGC big concert. You know, every concert does their little summer jam, Jace, And and he did Birthday Bash. And Saif, when I tell you he was not good, I mean, he did no. not – Nah, this was what we talked about with you know DJ Scratch. This was the early days. He really, yeah. he was he was too cool for school. He just he just kind of stood on the stage while the record played. Probably the same thing he did when you were playing um, "Ain't No" at
0: forty-five. Yeah, yeah, he just walked back and forth.
1: Although, life interestingly enough, I saw him perform "The Evils" at seventy-eight RPM. Actually, oh, it was it was <laughs> triple time. Someone someone Seven. played it on an old timey record player from the thirties. <laughs>
0: Oh man. Okay, when was the next time you saw him? Okay, chronologically, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but okay, I'm thinking Palladium. Okay, uh, classic New York spot, hip hop weekend spot. Now, somebody told me I was wrong about this. I think it was Mr. C, but this is how I remember it. And if my mis- if my my uh, memory Is wrong, then just correct me. But I thought it was the Reasonable Doubt album release party at the Palladium. Jay Z's in a suit. Biggie comes on stage and performs Brooklyn's finest in like a pink peach outfit. Oh, beautiful. Sounds beautiful. There's a picture of it on the internet if you look it up Jay Z and and Biggie. But somebody told me that wasn't Reasonable Doubt album release, but it was something else. But they remember the performance. But I was there opening up for Big Cap and uh and Jay-Z was there uh and Biggie came out. And I didn't really I, I saw them quickly because they walked through the DJ booth, but it was nothing there. But then the next time I could remember actually meeting him is I think I told you this story before of when Flex was producing his albums on Loud Records, and I was the quote-unquote a and r which was really a i was just a glorified intern so i went in there and uh he was like yo jay-z's coming to record tonight and i was like oh dope okay he's like yeah go over there wait for him and get him whatever he needs so i go to the studio jay-z walks in with like one other person is this the story where you offer
1: jay-z a blowjob and he rebuffed you
0: no okay sorry sorry okay in full Jay-Z fashion. I'm talking about arrogant Brooklyn. Everything we've talked about early Jay-Z. He walks in, it's me and the engineer. He looks around, he goes, "Yo, where's Flex?" So I was like, "Oh, he's still on the radio. I'm just holding it down till he gets here." You know, you could listen to the beat or you could start recording. Um, you know, I'm ready to, you know, whatever you need. And he's like, Mm, nah. It just walks out. No. Just walks out. <laughs> so I go after him and this is DD Studios, the famous d Studios where Gangstar and DJ Premier recorded and Boot Camp Click. MOP was there that night. And I run out to the lobby uh, or the lounge area and I'm like, hey, are you leaving? He's like, yeah, Flex ain't here. And I'm like, what does it what does it matter if he's here or not? You're just gonna record a song and he'll be here soon. He's like, nah. And just leaves. But mind you, also he knew who I was. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not a total not like, zero. Not a total. no, I'm a zero, but I'm not a stranger. Got it. Okay. And got I'm it. like, you know you know me. And he's like, nah. And he walks out, so I'm so fucking scared. I'm like, oh my God, Flex is going to fire me. I made Jay-Z leave. So I call Flex. I'm like, Flex, I'm sorry. Jay walked out, and he goes, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? He wasn't surprised I'm, or upset? Wasn't surprised or upset. And It was like, yeah, that's what they do. That's what rappers do. And that's oh, so like one he of the lessons there was a chance- I got.
1: He knew there was a chance he would take it as disrespect that Flex
0: wasn't. there I don't and think leave. he told him he wasn't going to be there. And right, was just like, right. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll record. Maybe he won't. This is the, this is the, this is the time he said he could come do it. Maybe he'll record. Maybe he won't. And he just walked out. And that's when I learned a big lesson in the music game. Like, it's not all the way we think it is when these people tell stories about how studio sessions are. Like, sometimes egos and people just. They just it doesn't work out. And you gotta just be okay with that as an A and R.
1: Well, yeah. And sometimes your favorite like collaboration random record that was done for a producer, a DJ, was some artist showing up to the studio and recording it alone with a hack like Cypher Sounds. Exactly. Not in this case because he left. But it's uh, that's so typical of their relationship, by the way. Like Jay is doing a favor for Flex. Flex is putting Jay on his album, which is still a good look because let's not, let's be clear, Flex was popping at the time too. So, yeah, yes. you know, they're, they're, it's a mutual favor. Exactly. And Jay probably saw it as funny style that Flex wasn't there, like, oh, Word, you right. big timing me. And then he big timed him back by walking out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> My second time I had a conversation with him was I'm still at WPGC. Now it's more like 2000. 2001, and he had an interview with Tigger, and Tigger was out of town for some reason, so Tigger was in Houston or something, I forget, and I was running his board. So for that, for people who don't know what that means, you know, if if a DJ is out of, if a jock is out of town, or if they're just lazy and don't run their own board, they have a board op. Who sits at the board and you don't talk. You just control the levels and produce it and wear headphones. Um, I was board hopping for Tigger and they told me Jay-Z was coming in. So Jay came in to do an interview with Tigger, but Tigger wasn't there. So it was just me sitting in the room with Jay-Z as he did an interview with Tigger who was out of the studio. (laughs) Right. Got it. Got it. So I'm just sitting at the board. And Jay Z was sitting at the way PGC worked. There were mics up at the console, like there was a stand-up console, and there were mics around there. Or there was a desk um, that was removed. That's where Donnie Simpson, the legendary Donnie Simpson, he would like sit at that desk, you know, and do his morning show from the desk. So Jay sat at the desk, and he would do live breaks with Tigger, and then you know we would play a song. And Jay would just be sitting there. And it was just me in the studio. I, I only remember two things about it. One was that when I was about to get a drop from him, my boss at the time, the assistant program director, came in and was like, no, no, no drop. Uh, my name, I went by PMD on the radio then. And he went, no, no, no time, PMD. He'll, he'll come back. He'll get one for you before he leaves. Literally never got a Jay-Z drop. Wow. Have never had a Jay-Z drop. Still don't have Why a jay drop. Why'd he hate on you? Oh, my God. I mean, he that guy... Reggie Rouse, my boss at that time, is super partially responsible for a lot of what I've gotten in radio, and I love him. He was also a huge pain in the ass. I mean, he would sun me in any situation.
0: And and Jay was about to do it, though, right? Jay was going to do the drop.
1: I wasn't. And and Saif, it was the same Vox Pro. I was about to hit record on the Vox Pro and just be like, yo, just say whatever. My name's PMD. It was going to take 10 seconds, and I would have had it to this day never happened. Uh, I don't know um, why people hate, man. I know just let it happen. Once they leave the studio, it's never happening. The second they walk yeah, they out, don't. it's never, never happening. Yeah, they're not coming. Nobody's coming back. So, the one thing I'll always remember about this though, it's very small but I found it very telling. I'm like 20 years old at the time and I went up to Jay at one point and I was like, "Hey, um who's your uh who are your favorite producers?" Oh my god. I know. I was such (laughs) I was such a I was such a backpacker.
0: Uh, (laughs) I know that was me. I know. Can't be No, I had to. You can't be more white boy from Maryland. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
1: I'm such a fat beats backpacking nerd (laughs) DJ. I'm like, yo, who are your favorite producer, son? (laughs) And um And he answered, and he was like, Marley Marl, Pete Rock, DJ Premier, Ski. And I remember when he said Pete Rock, I was like, oh, why haven't you done a Pete Rock record? And he was like, yeah. Never, right? Not until
0: um, The Throne. Not until uh, Add a Little Sugar. Fire. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's not even, that's like a bonus cut on the album. Yeah, yeah, the bonus cut. Did he say why he didn't do one back then? I think he was just like, yeah,
1: it just hasn't happened. Like, you know, it was one of those generic things. And I was like, oh, and and then I think I think I name dropped to be cool. I was like, oh, well, you did the shy remix with Marley Marl. And he was like, yeah, exactly. Because I'm a Mm. dork. So then what I'll always remember about it was not what he said, which I don't remember. I just remember that he went, what about you? Who are your favorite producers?
0: Oh, my God. Well, that's what I always tell you. like. Jay-Z one on one is always fucking cool, man. Always so cool.
1: I was I remember thinking at that moment, I was like, yo, I at that point I'd started to meet a good amount of artists and I was like that's the coolest thing anyone's done. No one has ever yeah. said what about you? Like right, I'm a fan right. I'm a fanboy for everybody. I'm everyone who comes up there. I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm, and at that time, it's not 40-year-old me now that's like a hack and thinks I deserve to be here. I, I'm desperate to do anything. Like I'm just, I just want to yeah, be on. So everyone who walks through, I have so much love and respect for. And I'm not saying people weren't nice. They definitely were. But it stood out. I was like, yo, he said, who are your favorite producers? I thought that was so yeah. cool. So when did your relationship with him, like, transition a bit and you, like, got to know him pretty well?
0: Um, Well, okay. So let's say throughout the years... Uh, he comes by Hot ninety seven a few times, does some legendary freestyles. He's been in the tunnel many times. He knows who I am. You know what I'm saying? He knows who I am, and I started making a name for myself on the radio somewhat. So uh, he knows who I am. And then uh, when does it get real? We were always cool, and he knew who I was. But when I started working for Pharrell. Is when I saw him look at me in a different way. When I started working, being a r at Star Trek, and they did a bunch of records together at that time, including Frontin, which I'm in the video.
1: Yes, you're the DJ um, at the house party.
0: Yeah. So like I remember Jay was in the studio with Pharrell, and we were doing I remember they were talking about doing um uh what's the um dent dent dent. Mev Bleak be smoking a la la la. Excuse me, Miss Remix. Yeah, excuse me, Miss Remix. And there was another remix that they did that Swiss did. And we were in the studio working on that. And I could tell the first time he ever saw me in the studio with Pharrell, he said a slick comment like, oh, you slid your way into here too, something like that. But he was like, oh, this kid's a hustler. This kid is a hustler. He stays around hot shit. So I saw the difference, and then later on, he becomes president of Def Jam. Mm-hmm. I call him or email him about Rick Ross hustling. Oh wow! And I what'd said, you say, Yo, "What'd you say you to me- him?"
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so it's Chris. It's 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 around Christmas time. And Khaled gives me Rick Ross hustling. I break that record in New York because Flex was on vacation, so I was filling in every day, and I would play that record every single day. And I hit Jay on the BlackBerry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Probably the same address you still have. Go ahead. I remember it was December 22nd or 23rd, and I said, yo... There's this record out of Miami. You need to get a hold of this. This God, this record is amazing. You know, what what do we gotta do for you to hear this song? And he writes back, he's like, It's Christmas. <laughs> he's like, You should be spending time with your family. And let's talk about this in the new year. And I'm like, yo, I thought you was God body five percenter. Why are you celebrating Christmas? <laughs>
1: is that what you really said that you questioned you questioned why the man is celebrating christmas who the hell do you think you are
0: and he's like hey man sometimes it's hard to gather family all together at the one time and this is the time to do it and i was like (laughs) touche (laughs) touche
1: so then so but you got to finish this though so what ended up happening how did the ross thing play out you actually revisited it at the top of the year
0: you got to understand where the music industry is at this time. Most big studios have moved down to Miami. For some reason, Miami became the hot spot of recording. I mean, we know why. Weather, girls, beach life, Miami Beach, fucking all that shit. So Hit Factory and all these studios, right track, they get Miami locations. All these Def Jam artists are recording in Miami. He sends out a mass email to all his a saying, why hasn't anyone down there told me about this record? Why am I hearing about this record from Cypher Sounds? Mm. I found this out later, obviously. He was like, all of you are down there living it up in Miami, South Beach, and nobody's telling me about this record that's playing on the radio? What the fuck uh, is going on?
1: Also interesting to think about Khaled and Jay-Z's relationship now, but obviously yeah. at that point, they weren't at a point where, because Khaled could have skipped over you and sent it right to Hove, but they didn't know each other no, I like was
0: No, I was definitely bigger than Khaled at this particular point. What about the particular point we're in right now? No, 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 no. He's smashing on me. Okay, got <laughs> it. Alright. Wow, that's so crazy though. So, and then yeah. the
1: deal ends up happening from this?
0: The deal ends up happening... And there was an A and R Def Jam. Well, he was. This is a weird thing. He was an A R for L A Reed, and L A Reed and Jay Z were both co presidents of Island Def Jam, or whatever. However, it worked. I don't know the exact deal. But the A R who who got it, his name was Shake, mm-hmm. uh, who a, a event eventually later on down the line killed himself. Rest in peace to Shake. Oh yeah, but yeah. But he basically told me he got the deal. He got he went in, swooped up, got the deal, signed Rick Ross. He was Rick Ross's A&R. And I said to him, I, I was friendly with him, and I said, yo, man, I'm really upset because I'm the one that told Jay-Z about this record. And he was like, yo, man, it's not just the hip-hop artists that are cutthroat. It's the fucking executives. And he goes, you got to get your fucking credit. Like, no one's going to give it to you. You got to take it. That was a big lesson for me. That was a big lesson for me. So I stepped to Jay-Z. I was like, look, I AR for Pharrell. I brought you Rick Ross. I brought you Rihanna. I brought you Damian Marley. I brought you True Life. Like some way, one way or another, I was associated with all those things. I was like, I want an a r job. Cause I'm not getting my credit as this DJ who finds shit. I need a job. And that's how I got the job. Wow,
1: and all these years later, you've now made millions as the man at Rock La Familia. Look at it.
0: No, no, I didn't. I didn't make a lot. I made a oh. lot of money at the time. But.
1: You did make good money at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, six what? figures.
1: Five. High, High five.
0: High five. High fives. High five. High five. Okay. High <laughs>
1: five. <laughs> okay. I guess my last story. I'll skip over. There, there are other. There was a, you and I hosted, I think, or we're at a J. Cole show and we ran into him and I introduced myself to him. And that was the time he stopped me was like, yo, you don't need to introduce yourself to me every time I see you, I know who you are. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool, got it. And I remember I said to him, you I was like,
0: I was like, yeah,
1: exactly. I was like, listen, you're Jay-Z, bro. I'm I'm going to keep introducing myself. I don't expect you to know me. Syphon, I did a whole bit on Hot 97 where we got him to come up and we did an interview with him. And of course we had the, uh, the Juan Epp interview with him from 2011. I ran into him at a, a festival where I got one of my all-time favorite pictures. I have a picture of me, Hove, and Premier. Um Really? Yeah. You don't know I have that? I've never seen that. Yo, that should be up in my house, right? Yes. That should that should be framed. Yeah. I don't. I, I need to. I need to take care of that. And by the way, it really bothers me. That's a picture that I see around on the internet with me cut out of it all the time. <laughs> wait you weren't in the middle no i wasn't in the middle you gotta
0: you always gotta play the middle
1: i have another (laughs) one in the middle of me nas and rakim i have that okay okay but rakim's eyes are closed but it's okay anyways um (laughs) so the i guess the most famous sort of hove story with, with regards to me was when i was at south by southwest I think maybe the last time I went there, like 2013,
0: 14. Oh, you was early on that. You was early on that South Sh- by. What?
1: Super. Yeah. I've been out.
0: Of, I've been out of it for five years. Yeah.
1: I was at South by. I think it was my last day there. I was in my hotel, and I'm with my brother and Hip Hop Mike, who's my uh, assistant now slash you know aspiring personality at Hot ninety seven. And my phone rings from a um, blocked number. I answer the phone. And I'm like, "Hello?" And and he just goes, "It's Hove." Oh yeah, I remember this. And I was <laughs> I was like, "Um, wait, I'm sorry, who is this?" And he goes, "There's only one Hove." <laughs> <laughs> I could not believe it. And Hip Hop Mike actually has a picture that he took I think he put it on Snapchat or Instagram, whatever, of my look. It's it's me with my bag in my hand looking up at Mike with my eyes wide open. And and I remember remember on social media, Mike posted it, the picture. And when the caption was like, when Hove calls your cell phone or something. And I'm looking at him like, what the fuck is happening? I've never... (laughs) <laughs> I already got I already got in trouble with him once because I told the story of the phone call on the air at Ebro's prodding, and yeah. I, I assumed it would be fine because Ebro made it sound like it would be, and then I don't think it was fine. I think Hove was annoyed that I told the story publicly, and I actually felt pretty bad about it. So I, d- I don't yeah. want to like get into all the details of what we talked about, but he felt strongly about something that I had said on the radio that I thought I was joking about, but... My joke, my things that I'm sort of doing tongue-in-cheek on the air don't always sound tongue-in-cheek. He took it seriously, and he wanted to set me straight on a couple of things. And mm. he did so in a very systematic and polite fashion. I explained some of the things that I was joking about and some of sort of my points of contention. But more importantly, I just listened and was like, bro, just so you know, trust me, I know what you're saying. Yeah. and And it was very kind and i think at the end i made a joke about like yo so let me get your number so i can reach back out to you and he was like nah i'll get a hold of you something like that (laughs) um
0: yeah that's fucking great that uh see that he called you that's the kind of guy um, he is though
1: he doesn't beat around the bush like i took it as a, a sign of respect i appreciated it that he cared enough the one thing that annoys me about my relationship with jay if there is one is that i never communicate with him directly like except for that i know like he'll email ebro i had i had a thing a few years ago where i went off on some political issue and he emailed ebro like tell rosenberg nice job on that like i'm like just hit me hit me hit me yourself bro hove i'm here Nah,
0: Nah. not so much because Um, here's the thing he would but it's too much hassle to figure out how to get your number or email. Just hit the guy closest to you. One last story. It happened with both of us when we were on Hot 97. Remember when we had the early morning show before the actual morning show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So we had a pre-morning show when Big Boy... The Big Boy Morning Show was syndicated in New York City for like a year. Me and Rosenberg had like the warm-up morning show from 4 to 6 or 5 to 7 or something. Somehow we, we, were, we were talking about snitching on the radio. Somebody had snitched or we were talking about what snitching is. And Jay-Z emailed me to tell us what snitching actually was, like to define snitching. And then he ultimate Brooklyn stunted on us and wrote, "I'm on the jet, wheels up." That's where I learned the term oh, my. "wheels up."
1: Wheels up. Oh, wheels my up. God. I really love means? these stories, man. I, I honestly, it's one of the true blessings of our careers to be in New York, where some of the people who hear you regularly are so iconic. Yeah. Like it doesn't well, even make on, sense. He was
0: on his way. He was on his way to the to the Clearport. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, what else are you going to do but listen to the, the radio?
1: Well, and it's funny because people think of radio. Like I remember once I was doing a roast of someone and one of the people at the roast said, yeah, I heard Rosenberg uh, works at Hot 97. And he goes, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I haven't heard him because I don't work at a fucking bodega. And <laughs> which is a great joke, which I loved as a joke. But at the same time, <laughs> While, yes, a lot of people in Manhattan would be like, yo, it's Manhattan. I don't listen to the radio. If you're a rich person who sits in a car, like you're in the back of a Lincoln, you might be listening to the radio a lot. Absolutely. You end up getting heard by very random people. Yeah, it's great. To close this out, next week we have another episode you guys are going to love. We're very excited about it. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. iTunes especially, the five stars, the review, the comment, all that would be amazing. And before we get out of here, let's hear um, some stories from Angie Martinez, Mr. C. I hope you guys enjoy them, and uh, we'll catch you next week on F. Were you in the studio together when you did your song? Yes. T- take us through that experience.
3: Oh God bless Jay. He probably didn't want to do it, but he did it because he loved me, and he was we were friends. And 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 at How that time, do it? no. But at that time, it was very common for people to do favors like that. Yeah. Now somebody like on his caliber, he's not gonna really do that unless you know it's, I mean, something he just genuinely wants to do. And yeah. it's so. But back then, it, people did it. And so when I called, he was like, "Yeah, right. What you want to do?" I was like, Oh, so he had said he was very into Rockwall's beats at that time. Okay. He was like, I'm like, he's just gave me a real batch. I'm like filling all his beats. We should, um, we should use a Rockwall beat. Now, you know, Perfect. I'm super green. I'm like, yep. sounds great to me. Yep. Whatever you like. So Rock comes in, he does a beat. Now imagine at this point, I had probably only done Ladies Night. I'd only done like a couple of songs in my whole life. <laughs>
1: this whole scenario is hilarious to me, by the like way. Like I had
3: only done a couple of songs my whole life. Like but that's not way, like you were
1: rapping as a kid.
3: No, I was a f- rap nutball, like a rapping fan, along to other rapping songs. Rapping along to other people's songs. But the first song I ever did was K- with KRS-One. KRS-One actually wrote my verse, told me to come in the studio. He wanted to just hear me. And I did it. And heartbeat? he kept it. It was heartbeat, right? Yeah. Then unheard that and was like, you should get on this Kim joint, Ladies Night. And this is the first time I'm like, okay, now I'm going to try to write it myself. Mm-hmm. This is my first. Ladies Night is like my first verse I ever wrote on a song. Ladies Night. Okay. So now, fast forward, not much after that, I'm in the studio with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. It's really nuts when you think about it. Yeah. I had no business in the studio with Jay Z,
1: but uh, but I'll tell you what. At the time, it made perfect sense. I didn't think like, oh, I can't believe Angie got Jay Z. Did you? No, it made perfect sense. 100%. Of course, you get Jay Z.
3: And I don't remember who it was. I think maybe it was Kaiser or something. It Was like, listen, the label's never Def Jam gonna... executive. Yeah, I, th- they, I think it was Mike Kaiser who was like, listen, he's not going to want to do it for. He's not going to. The label's not going to give him what he's worth. He's doing this out of love. He was like, she, yeah. he was like, so he feels uh, that you're. Appreciative, have a bag of cash there when you when he gets there. Mm. Like a just on the way out, just it, it's not going to mean anything, but it's a gesture of that course. he will appreciate. Of course. So you know, I I wasn't. I mean, I was doing well in my career, but I wasn't like not I should, like giving no. hand someone five Gs in cash, ten Good. or ten. Or 10. Or ten. So who gave you the ten? So I went to the label and I got like check and then I cashed it and then I got like cash and I put it in a <laughs> brown paper and I put it in a brown paper <laughs> bag and then um so anyway so he came that's at the end I gave it to him on the walk out like on that on the way to the elevator. Um,
2: that's the right
0: move, classy.
3: And so, Amazing. and he took and the way he took it too, because he was like. I was like, I don't know how this is gonna get all worked out with business with the label. And I said, but I just wanna give you this for now, just to say thank you. And and so he kinda just took it like, yeah, he was like, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. But he took the bag and got in the elevator and left. But he was like, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. No, you take the bag. Of course he
1: did. And then
3: did he ever say that? But he did it in a a very way, like, whatever. He probably spent it that night. He probably went to the club. Like, it wasn't to him. He was like, all right, cool, thanks. But it was probably the right thing to do, I guess. I don't know. But to me, that was a lot of, like, and imagine the year, that was a lot of money. So to him it was like nothing and he took it and he left. Um but I remember so he came to the studio. I hadn't he did something first. He he was like let's he heard the beat and then he was playing around with the Mia Moore kind of concept. I I wouldn't do my verse in front of him. I just I, and number one, I couldn't No, like number one I couldn't and number two I it was gonna take me at least seven, 70 days to write a verse <laughs> where he's like there on the spot like making it up so he put a little something around a hook like a vague and he was like alright play with that I'll come back and I was like okay so he left me the track he took his bag he left and then a week or two weeks later I, I was rocking with, with Rockwild the whole time who was very sweet and patient with me because mm-hmm. I needed that um I did a verse and I was like, okay, I think that sounds good. And then Jay came in he, you know, that serious Jay where he's listening, he's nodding his head, he's listening. He goes, okay. And then he goes in the booth, he does his verse and he then comes out and he's like, all right, I'm done. And he's about to leave. And when he leaves, he said to me, he's like, yeah, you should do that over and sh- don't rap so much. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like, just say it. Don't rap. Like you're, you're trying to rap too much. Like right. you're just rapping, like stop rapping. Just go say it. I was like, okay. Oh shit! And then I went in and tried that again. And then
1: did it work? Did you actually end up doing what he sort of requested? I tried.
3: I'm sure if I would have kept going, I probably could have did a better job. But I, I tried to. He definitely helped me in that moment. And I, you know, I was like, oh, it's not that serious. I'm trying to rapidy rap in there. Yeah. He was like, relax. Not that like serious. Like you're not. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah, you are not. I don't know. Who.
1: <clears throat> did you? After the album, do you I ever- I was
3: channeling like Ru the Damager or somebody. <laughs> it just was
1: not-, <laughs> yeah. <it> was not... <laughs> She was like, I got this, hold on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> one, one time I remember specifically, he was on vacation and he had just came back from vacation overseas somewhere and he was doing an interview with Angie Martinez on Hot 97 at the time. And um, he was like, yo, man- he was asking Angie, yo, where's the place to go? You know, Hovey's home. You know, what's the place to go? Well, you know, what I mean, where I need to go party at. And Angie's like, yo, C got club speed on Sunday. So Jay was like, yo, C, if you're listening, I'm coming this Sunday. I had a flyer out in an hour. <laughs> yeah, yo, you Oh, you, you didn't even talk shit, to him again. Man. I didn't even talk to him. I had to, I faxed it to the station, let him approve it, I had a flyer out in an hour. Just by him saying, I'm coming to speed. And we called the, the party Hovey's Home. You that is
0: incredible. <laughs> nah, see, I did, when we do the, the full
2: Mr. C season of One Ep, cause
0: the, the level of party promoter, producer that Mr. C was, what he would run circles around you, yo. He had the illest,
2: illest So that's illest all I needed run. to hear. Like, you know, like Remember when he, Bleak came? And then he then he came again with Bleak. He came, I had Memphis Bleak there, and then Jay Z came as a surprise with Memphis Bleak. And the ill story about that show is Jay Z, now, Club Speed, for everybody that's listening, it was a a basement. It was a club, but it was a basement. And it was very small. So we had to hide Jay Z along the stairwell before he actually comes into the club and jumps on the stage so that we can make it a, a surprise. He comes on stage with Memphis Bleak, kills it, or whatever the case is. After the show, I noticed that a bunch of women was coming to the um, DJ booth asking for their shoe, that they lost their shoe. Yeah, I can't find my shoe. Can you announce that I lost a black shoe? Can you um, announce that I lost a red shoe? And I'm like, why is all these girls coming asking for shoes? Come Mm. to find out when Jay-Z got on stage, ladies was throwing shoes at him trying to get his attention. So he's doing PSA and dodging shoes, and what? I'm looking. <laughs> up, the stage is literally in front of the DJ booth, and it's nothing but girls' shoes in front of the booth. What? Why was? Why was that a thing? <laughs> you know, they, they, I have no idea. When George Bush got a th- shoe thrown at him, that's not what the message was at all.
0: Yeah, well, they disrespect him in, in an Iraqi fashion?
2: No, <laughs> I mean it was it was it was it was it, it, it was legendary, man. It was legendary. Girls Ooh, was throwing shoes. That came on stage. He came on, yeah. So you? Well, no, that it? was the second. That was the second song. Oh, okay. I forgot what the first song he came out to, but he, yeah, they was throwing shoes at him, man. They was throwing shoes at this guy. Uh, is that a Brooklyn thing? I never seen that in my life, cipher. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know. I don't know. And just one shoe? So there was a bunch of lopsided chicks in Club Speed?
1: One episode hosted by me, Peter Rosenberg. And me, Cypher Sounds. Our production team is associate producer Rob Dozier.
0: And production assistant Hebron Mendez.
1: Dan Panarise is our associate editor. Our executive producer is Chiquita Pascoe.
0: Juan Epp is a production of Mass Appeal and Endeavor Audio and is also created by producer Samantha Allison of Endeavor Audio and associate producer Savannah Jeffries of Mass Appeal as well as executive producer Mark Grandy of Mass Appeal and Dave Easton of Endeavor Audio. Cedric Wilson is our mix engineer.
1: Kasim Bradley is our recording engineer.